I I, uh, I have a new rule that I enlisted in the last like year mm-hmm. where I do not talk or like I don't text anybody back until 10:30 in the morning and I'll yeah. get up early and like do a couple hours of shit that I want to do yeah, yeah. before anybody interrupts me or pisses me off during yeah. the day. You seem to have forgotten that I am a woman. Everybody. Hey, how you doing? Welcome back to Household. This is your hostess, Ani Moosh. And today I am joined by friend, comic, producer, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Coscarelli. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me, Ani. Oh my God. There's so much that I admire you for. You're oh. producer for iHeartMedia, you're yeah. the producer for Guys We Fucked. Yeah. We've worked together yes. on their comedy special. So we'll talk about that a yeah, little yeah. bit. But you have like uh, a lot of experience and a, a huge past in this industry. And I wanted to have you on and talk a little bit about sort of like your perspective. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, nothing better, nothing I like more than coming on here and just bullshitting about awesome. Uh, thoughts and opinions. <laughs> awesome, dude. Uh, when, when did you start in like comedy and production in general? So I st- they were pretty close together. I started in radio first okay um and I, I it was it was an accident i didn't i didn't mean i went to i wouldn't say i went to film school but i went to college and i was interested in film okay. and um writing screenwriting and, and all that stuff um and comedy was kind of like always there mm-hmm. i was always into comedians and i always wanted to be funny and write funny stuff mm-hmm. and that was always kind of my my vibe but i was doing college radio Okay. Because they just where'd you go to college? Kane University. Okay. In um, New Jersey. Yeah. Not a great school, but <laughs> they they yeah. basically the one good thing about it was they kind of just gave you the keys to That's do awesome. whatever. Like the, the teachers were very hands off, <laughs> and that might Teach be yourself. Be, yeah, it was kind of like here's some equipment, go yeah. nuts. So yeah, yeah. and so for me that almost kind of was better mm-hmm. that I had an opportunity to to so the radio station was like that where it was the first time it, for the most part everything was still. It was like half analog and half digital. Okay. Because this is 20, like, I graduated in 2013. Okay. So you're talking like 2011, okay. probably. So th- it was like right in between things becoming all digital. Yeah. I still was using mini discs and we were recording things on cassettes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I was like 20 years old and they just gave, he was just like, you yeah, you can do a radio show. Did you have a name of your show? It was called The Crunch. The Crunch? It was named after a Led Zeppelin song. I was That's the name music. of this episode? Yeah, The Crunch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had, so I, that was the first one I did, okay. and that was like a show, because I, I had, I was very into music, and I wasn't sure what I was going to actually end up doing with All my life. All kinds of music? Rock and roll? What kind of music? I would say most kinds of music, but it was heavily, like, at that time, rock and roll. Okay, cool. And, and that, I was, but I was, like, learning. I would go, I, I understood, I kind of had the seeds of how to do a radio show yeah. naturally. Like, I knew that I had to have something to talk about when yeah. I would go on air and, and play these songs. Like, I, if you're going to play a live song, tell a little story about, like, sure. I inherently knew that. Nobody was listening to this because yeah. it was college radio. Yeah. And I don't think the antenna in uh, at Kane even covered the whole town. <laughs> that it was, it, I don't think it covered Union, <laughs> New Jersey. Like, it, it was, it was uh, 
you get maybe a couple people listening by accident in their car. Yeah. But it didn't matter. It was just practice uh, for understanding this stuff. Yeah. So then when I started um, looking for internships, I didn't really know how to get a, a writing internship and if something like that even existed or, or really a film. I didn't really know how to... I didn't have any help. Yeah. So nobody really... Mm -hmm. But I was into the radio thing and I sent out internships uh, uh requests and i ended up getting one at plj which is a radio station here was a radio station here in new york it's fucking gone now wow. but it was like a, it was the old rock station in like the cool. 80s and legendary yeah legendary Very station cool. had become kind of like a um adult contemporary they call yeah. it hot ac okay um so they were playing like matchbox 20 and yeah kind, kind of like mom music sure but it was still really wild to go into that setting because it was at the very tail end of when radio was kind of important yeah so you got to see i always tell this story about um like you can see the the, the fall off in importance of radio mm -hmm. and this also kind of influenced me to, to try and do other That's, things this is interesting so what happened was when i when i fir the first day i went into plj i was walking down the halls and they had the 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 secretary was just like showing me the building mm -hmm. And they had on in the hallways, they had plaques. Uh, they had like Let It Be, like a gold record. They yeah. had, uh, yeah, they had Bon Jovi, like gold record. Yeah. Like all these like gold records of all these bands that I had liked and everything. So it was, it was very almost overwhelming. You're just like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm, I'm here. Yeah. And at this time, so within the first week I was there, um, I learned that record companies, because they still really valued radio play, they would bring in their new artists mm -hmm. to the radio station and they would try to get the new artists to like, they, it was like a trade basically. They'd come in with the artist and the artist would do a concert for us in our, oh, cool. our conference room and then the record company would buy us lunch. So you'd basically be like, for lunch, you would just go into the conference room and like watch Have whoever a free mini concert. Yeah, and the, and then the artist would stay there and like it's sign like MTV unplugged. Right. <laughs> so now sometimes the artists were like, you'd never heard of them. Yeah. You, you, and they just never made it really. Yeah. So uh, there was a couple of those that I saw where it was uh, just like some like folk singer that just like kind of didn't do anything really, but he was super nice, signed everything. Wow. And then another concert was Adele. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was like Adele before she hit. I literally was about to be like Alanis Morissette. It was like a, that was the next one. <laughs> it was like it was like Adele came and so it was. This was before her the big album wow. came out. Yeah, so she had like she had the album out and and she was still like kind of like young and like uh, like kind of chubby hipster Adele. Yeah. And then the next album came out and she became the biggest thing. So I saw her in a conference room before. She ever. That's really fucking right. cool. But yeah. th this like goes to show you that at that time it was still it was still pretty important. Yeah. And within a couple of years that was over. Th yeah. Those lunches stopped within probably like two years of me. I worked wow. at at PLJ or I worked in that building because I bounced around radio stations in that building. Mm -hmm. um, but I worked in that building for like seven years. I'd say the first two we had those those like wow. lunches where they would bring in and then they, th those slowed down wow. because Spotify became like a serious yeah. contender. Streaming services and yeah, stuff. it yeah, just yeah. became not as important. Like they still oh. cared about the radio play, but not the way that it, it they did when I started. Yeah. So um, I, I was going through all that and I kind of like learned how to do a lot of this stuff in FM, mm -hmm. which was like music radio. And then 
within a couple of years, I got my first. They they moved me over to talk radio, and I was a they like a swing producer. So oh. I was working for uh, WABC in New York, which had. Can you tell people what that means for people who don't know what that swing producing means? Swing producing means that you're like. I was kind of training still. Mm-hmm. They they were teaching me how to do all this stuff, mostly running mixing boards. Yeah. Uh, for a live radio show, you're just kind of like... Leveling the sound and making sure things are like... Yeah, and also throwing to commercial breaks. and it. You're like running the the clock of the show. Making sure people don't swear on radio. Yes, you have okay. the dump button. You yeah. have all that stuff. <laughs> so that's like your job to cool. make sure. I mean, it's their job not to curse, yeah. but <laughs> it's your job to make sure it doesn't We make were watching the, uh, private parts last night, <laughs> yeah. so I just have Howard Stern in my head right yeah. now. <laughs> well, funny enough, the uh, one of the first shows I was swing producing for was Imus. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. It was towards the end. Holy but shit! That was a brutal shift. You'd have wow. to get up at like five a.m. and work on. Uh, at that point, I was like moving commercials around and kind of. But I made some mistakes on his show, and he chewed me out on air. <laughs> and it was yeah, that was a very serious learning experience because I... he was just you know. I have always had, even before I started doing any kind of production, I've always had the utmost respect for producers on shows, and on any show. Yeah. Because what people don't understand, I actually, I posted something about to say too, I think the majority of people don't understand that producers are also artists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even when you're a professional and you're even if you're in a learning situation or whatever, you're still an artist. There's still like, a little bit of you in whatever comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, And, um, like, when, when you get yelled at about yeah. your art or when you, you know, you're in trouble, like, it's almost worse because yeah. you're like, fuck, this was a part of me, too. Yeah. And then, you know, if you have other people coming in and, like, commenting or working on your projects, and it, it, not that it takes away from you, but it does make it a harder collaborative experience. And I think people like overlook that a lot when it comes to just, oh, you're a producer? Like, oh, you work on a show? Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to that. Well, it's also, with, with Imus in particular, um, I mean, when you made him, it was... That's a totally different scenario, but... <laughs> well, well, it's just like with him, you're, like, you're, I was 24, I think, 23, 24. Yeah. I was just shitting my pants yeah. that, that this was like, like, I knew who he was. I was very aware, even though by the time I got to work with him, he was like on his last leg. Like mm-hmm. he was very old and very, um, very much like wrapping his career up. Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of a mean guy. And, uh, you know, it, it, when you're tr- starting out, you think that there's like, um, if you make a mistake, that's the end of your career. Right. And then like the farther away from it you get, the more you realize like, oh, it, it was completely fine. He was being a prick. Right. But also, it was kind of like... You also don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But but again, at the time that I was learning all this stuff, I was learning how to do this stuff at a time where like radio was on its way out. Yeah. Like, like the importance of, of the, the, the listenership of these shows was, was shrinking. Mm-hmm. So it really was a great learning experience because podcasting was like coming in right behind that stuff. And obviously, running a live show is different than, run, than producing a podcast. Yeah. But... but you know, you still basically get those skills mm-hmm. uh, and you learn how to do it, which is great because the stakes you find out later were so low that the radio station was just like eventually got flipped and sold. And like, like, you know, it was barely staying alive to begin with. Like yeah. you, you making a mistake on I Missed a Show really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of right. things. I mean, you know? that and like 
I mean, think of how much you now know about people just from that experience. Like some of the, I don't want to say like worst experiences or worst bosses or whatever, but someone who's like gotten in my face or like really had something to say, like that has affected how I uh, do that job forever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's like traumatic in a way. Yeah. Or not even. Almost in a good way. It could go either way. It could go either way for sure. Um, like I've had some jobs that straight up burnt me out. I don't ever want to be like in that industry again, but then, you know, there are certain artists or whatever that I work with who have a very particular way of being, but then you learn like about sociology that way and like how people tick. And I think it just makes you more well-rounded person, honestly. Yeah. Well, in that job in particular, so like I, when I started with IMS, well, not just on his show, but I was like, like, so they would, they would fill me into other shows that would need it to. So mm-hmm. it would just be like my shift. Also, not to interrupt you, but yeah. like for a company like that to put you on a show with, I, like someone, they know that you're capable, you know? So even in the mistakes sure. that you made, they wouldn't put an uncapable producer on a big show like that. Right. Well, I, they, I think that they, no, <laughs> it got a point. It, it, it was like, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And I think that they have to, I trust they, you a little bit. Well, it's like, it's a job that didn't really pay that well. So you're not going to get somebody that has 10 years of experience running mixing boards yeah. for $14 an hour, which is what I was making yeah. back then. You know, you work like an eight hour shift, like you really break it down. You're not making that much money. Mm-hmm. So it's a job for a kid, yeah. which is obviously what it was. So I, I had just been in the building long enough where they were like, all right, maybe he, maybe he's showing interest. Maybe it's time that he, you know, right. he has a couple of years understanding. And I would shadow some of the FM DJs. Like I had been around this stuff, but I had never touched a board mm-hmm. on air, you know, and then they just threw me in, and the first day I did it, first like couple, probably the first week I did it, I was like, I, I have to quit. I suck at this. I can't do this. It's so stressful. Like you're live when you make mistakes. Whoever's listening fully hears it, and like, oh yeah, it's live. So if like if you don't, a lot of it's technical. So if you fuck up technically and you're really like you don't know how to fix it, oh it's yeah, it's a bad fuck up. Oh you know? yeah. And I had a bunch of those early on mm-hmm. until I really kind of like learned. The, but it took a while yeah. and, and that's finessing. like, yeah. So when I was, I was working on a bunch of different shows and then eventually, um, the show, the, the station went more local. So they were doing local New York type shows. Okay. And my first real producing job that where I was like a steady producer on a show was this show called Curtis and Kubi, which was the guy that actually just ran for mayor. Curtis oh, really? Sua. Yeah. The, the guy with the beret. <laughs> oh, okay. That was his show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I worked for him, and then Ron Kuby, who was who became my mentor essentially, he's the civil rights attorney, oh, one of the smartest people, probably the smartest person I've ever met in wow. my life. Super funny. But to what you were saying before about um, being a producer, like the involvement of artistry, mm-hmm. that was the first time I realized that, like, when you're working on a show, uh, and your voice is a part of the show, it's also partly because you mesh with the hosts yeah so i i meshed with curtis okay like curtis was is like this very he's very he's very hard egg to crack it's, mm-hmm. it's very hard to really ever understand what's going on in there mm-hmm. but kubi and i are still close to this day and you're talking this is like i don't know like seven years since we've even really worked together on mm-hmm. anything but we just had this like mind link where his sense of humor and my sense of humor ran like yeah. right 
like parallel to each other. I love that. Yeah, and That's it was awesome. just so we did these whole thing. We used to do when Trump was running for office. We would do this like whole Trump hour and try to make <laughs> it as funny as possible. And Kubi's a super liberal, so mm-hmm. it's like, like we were. It felt good to be doing something related to Trump that wasn't like completely stoking the fires. Of yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah. You know, when the rest of the, the rest of the station was kind of like a conservative station. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, they were all just like sucking at the the Trump team. <laughs> so we were kind of one of the only shows that was like kind of anti-Trump, and you know, and that was that was cool. But I'm doing all of this in the daytime, and then I'm doing stand up at night. I had started doing stand up, I guess, r- probably right around the time I started getting the the swing producer job. I was kind of wow. doing them at the same time. And how many hours of sleep a night did you get? Like one. Well, I mean, you're young, you're in the city, like mm-hmm. you're you're driven to do this thing. Absolutely. Um and at that time, <laughs> yeah, I I, th- it's not I was a bad out. Thing. <laughs> I was out. I mean, I got lucky that once I started working on Curtis and Kubi, I didn't have to be in the station until like 10:30. Oh, that's a luxury. So it was okay. great. I yeah. our show didn't start till noon. We had like like you're kind of prepping on the way in, you're yeah. like reading stuff like newspapers, whatever. And then you're 1030, you're like pulling audio and getting the show together. Yeah. So that helped. But I had some nights. I also slept at the radio station a lot. Yeah, I had an air mattress there. So I would go, I'd go into work and there was like an engineer who, who worked there that had an office that he was like about to retire. Yeah. And he was just very cool. This guy, Frank D'Elia. <laughs> uh, he shout out, I just wanted to shout him out. Shout he was out so to nice Frank, to dude. <laughs> but he, I would, be, he would come in early. So basically I had till 8 a.m. To, yeah. So if I was out like all night, I could go back to Frank's office, put my air mattress out, and sleep until eight. Oh my god! And then I could wake up and like go get a coffee and kind of start like prepping the show. I didn't do it. I didn't. I did it probably like once a week. Yeah. Where I was just like, I was out all That's night. That's the grind, though. Yeah. Like those are the sacrifices that you make. Like I talk about this all the time. Like when we started back in Boston, we were in like a small attic room half the size of this room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you were talking about live production. Yeah. That's how I learned how to produce. Like yeah. Irish put me on, it was, we used to produce our podcast live to YouTube, stream live to yeah. YouTube and Facebook. And I would, I, the first time I ever did it was live. Mm-hmm. And I don't know over there, how, how did I do? i'm still working he said yeah i mean like it uh i think the adrenaline to not fuck up was greater yeah then but like you do obviously and then live really makes it like a different ball game and then also with that like uh, this is a little different than radio but when we were doing podcast stuff live like that you have to watch the chat too and and, like be involved and like it's for one person it's a lot but that I mean, that's how I've learned anything really well is just diving right in, yeah, and like being fully committed. You know what I mean? Like living, living in a studio when we first moved here for eight months with all of our podcast equipment and all like our bed and like everything yeah. in the same room. Like those are the sacrifices that you make for a, a dream yeah. that's not always glamorous. Well, and it's tough. I think that the, when I so stand up, like pivoting to stand up, yeah, the um. The one thing that really shook me at first, because I, I I've since stopped doing stand up. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I don't have the stamina anymore, and yeah. I I like kind of lost interest in it. And I just started making too much money doing this other stuff. Yeah. It just didn't make much sense anymore. Mm-hmm. I did. I don't think I loved it the way I loved it ten years ago yeah. or, or whatever. But when yeah. I started doing it, um, when you learn that you in New York at least the the mentality is that you 
at least when I started doing it, I don't know if it's changed, but like the mentality is that you do it every day and you do it a, a lot. You yeah. do it like you, you go here and then you run to another place and you do it and you do it like two, three times a night. The first person that was kind of like telling me about the hustle of that, I, I just, I, I was blown away and I thought, I was like, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and then I started thinking, you know, like I was like, looking around at other, I was like, when do you just like, when do you like sit around and watch TV? Like when do you do... And all these people were like, we don't. <laughs> I mean, that. what do you mean? When do we sit? Like, we were, we're out here every day doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like our life. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about other people that I kind of grew up around and, and like other friends that I had that, that did not pursue either an artistic um, uh, lifestyle or even beyond that, like a lifestyle that really embodies a level of success uh, professionally. Yeah, I guess because success can mean a lot of things, and I've I've come to learn that in my thirties that like like a lot of people are just very fine having a family, having like having a house in New Jersey and yep. having, and that's totally fine. And uh, you know, at some point, maybe that will be healthy for me to have. But I, I'm you're speaking to my soul right now. Keep going. <laughs> in my twenties, I looked around at these people, yeah. and I was kind of just like, I was like, well, that's why they're not doing anything. Like, because right. they are, they're, I don't want to say like wasting the time because I, I don't think that it's, I have a very unhealthy obsession with work and I'm working on it, but, you know, you just can't break through to a certain level of, of anything if you, if you don't throw yourself into it. Yeah. And that was something that I did with radio that I didn't realize it until I was kind of done with it, that I was working my ass off, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I had, I had six days a week at the radio station because I did a, a, a network show on Saturday mornings. So I would go out Friday nights uh, at the um, the Village Lantern in New York uh, on Bleecker Street. Uh, I would do shows there all night on Friday night, and then I would go back to the radio station and sleep at the radio station on Friday night and wake up at 9 a.m. on Saturday and do another radio. Like I I spent way more time doing these things. It's like if you were a painter and you just yeah. had you painted for 10 hours a day yeah, <laughs> every day, <laughs> yeah, you know, and maybe took a break on Sundays. That's basically what I, I did. And I hadn't realized it until I was kind of like, like I had moved on. And now it's, it's been almost 13 years since I've been doing some Shit. mix of all of these things. And it, I can't remember a time that I, I wasn't. And also there is now this level of security where for a while I was just kind of like, I was like, I don't know. There might, like, who knows? Who who knows if I'm here to stay? Yeah. Who knows if I'm actually in this industry to stay? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I kind of had that moment. Because it will fucking test you, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and it's it just kind really of like, will. like, at, at, at it, there's so many people that I think want to do it mm-hmm. that, or just see it as like, this is really cool. Yeah. I make my friends laugh or yeah. like whatever the fuck. Yeah. Even in podcasting, I mean, we see it all the time. Like, people want to come in here and they just want to like shoot the shit with their I friends know, and basically record it. Yeah. And they don't understand that like, okay, a podcast, particularly in your industry, is an extension of you, an extension yeah. of your social media, extension of like what you're doing beyond this moment in time talking with your friends. And the only people who are going to listen are the people who want to know about the things that support that like, if, if you're a comic, that main goal yeah. of comedy and, and whatnot. And even beyond that, yeah. like a lot of the shows that I get to work on with iHeart, which I'm I'm really thrilled about, are 
more like documentaries. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, they're like scripted and, and they, like iHeart will usually work with someone who's a writer or, or has some that's sort awesome. of IP. So I'm working on this show right now about MySpace. Okay, yeah. Oh, and yeah, you started. Tell me tell me more about this. Well, yeah. it's, I, I don't know like how much. Whatever you can. Well, part of it is it's not really, we're very early in the production of mm-hmm. it, but uh, so there's this writer, Joanne McNeil, who, who wrote this whole book. Uh, um, uh, it's about, it's a little bit more about just like, the internet in its early stages, but MySpace was a big highlight. Yeah. And we're kind of working on the story of how MySpace started. And, cool. and like, we're really trying to capture the tone of that era of 2004 and like what society was like and kind of like the early online communities and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we're working on scripts. Joanne's writing. Shit. You know, we're interviewing people. We're we're getting. You get Dane Cook in there. We've I've I've pitched Dane Cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be. I think he's hard to get, but we uh, we. Yeah, because Dane mean, Cook was like MySpace the original. Staple. Yes, he's the he's like you know? the MySpace guy. Yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. Um, but basically, like like so to piggyback on your point, so it's we're we're kind of like doing a show for a different type of audience because mm-hmm. it's not. You know the way podcasting has gone now; it's like very influencery in one on one channel, like one side of the industry. But then there's also kind of like the educational kind of uh, like public radio uh, influenced yeah. sort yep. of, of thing, where it's like all very scripted and all. So it's great to work on that because it's I haven't I hadn't worked on things like that up until the last like couple of years of my career. Mm-hmm. And to work with people that know how to do it is great because it's another like step into learning, yeah. um, which has been awesome. But now it kind of like, as you know, the artist in me now, I'm very particular about podcast stuff for myself and things that I'm working on for me because you know for that reason I I want I feel like I have enough time in this industry and enough um, know how and enough of a style and enough of a you know um uh, an ear like whatever yeah. you want to say where i i just don't want to do anything that is something that anybody else can do yeah. so it's like i'm in this weird space where i like have one foot in both of those podcasting worlds and now i really think that the last six months maybe a year has been other than the the actual stuff that i'm working on that pays me has kind of been devoted to figuring out some sort of channel where I can kind of put both of those things on display. Almost like making yeah. an album or something like that. Yeah, and that's kind of the way that I think about it, where it's like I wanted I kinda I want to do something scripted that has my voice that isn't like a an academic sort of um pursuit. Yeah. And whether there's an audience for that, I have no idea. But I, sure I'm at a point is. in my career where like I think that sonically Whatever I put out there, like like in comparison to like people that are kind of in my sphere, like yeah. I think I can just blow people away. I, I really I'm at I that would point. Agree. You know <laughs> That's what why I mean? on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. It sounds arrogant, I know, but it's just kind of like every uh, listen. You're never done learning, but since I've been working with some of the like like audio people that I've been working with, it, it's great because you. I had this this sphere of influence of, of people that are like interesting and funny and mm-hmm. kind of drive things with their personality. And that's kind of the, the camp I've always worked in. But now having this extra layer of sound engineering, it is, I don't know. I was never expecting to, to get that tool, I guess. Yeah. And then it just kind of crept up on me and I like learned how to make things sound great and kind of sound almost like visual, like movies. 
like a de- designing the sound yeah, in a way. Full on sound yeah, design. exactly. That's that's also what Irish does as well. Yeah. And I think that that is huge, mm-hmm. um, particularly like now. Everyone, not everyone's doing a podcast, but you know, like the boom well, kind of feels like it. Yeah, which means that people are either trying to self-produce or they're getting someone who's just like, hey, will you just sit and like, yeah. you know, whatever. And they don't have any like formal training or somebody to teach them yeah. some kind of formal training. So the more that that happens, the more special like your skill set is. You know well, what right, I mean? Even this, it's like like it's no. You know, looking around here, you can't just build this unless you <laughs> have some sort I of idea. I did this three different times. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you guys have like a you know you you knew what you were doing when you put this whole thing together, and and that is a, a it's a tricky thing to to try to. Um, just start doing some shit. And some people, man, like it it's it's like watching movies. So so like um there's this whole industry of movies that just come out, you have no real idea who directed them. Yeah. Like they're just like, here it is, it's it's gonna make X amount of money, it's fine, whatever. And people watch them and they're fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then there are people that People's like People's friends watch them and that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you know right. I mean? it, it's just kind of like, like, like. There's so many. I've seen so many like romantic comedies or whatever. I'm yeah. just like, like, it could have been anybody yeah. directing this thing, putting it together. And then there's movies where somebody's got like their hand involved. And so it, uh, podcasting has become this really weird thing where like, there's a lot of things that I thought because coming up in radio, they they had a they had a team of like they were engineers. They were like. We cared about the way things sounded. We cared about like all of these these like very nuanced things that we thought made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've been proved wrong <laughs> that that podcasting like there are people that want to hear that like like very tight, spruced up sort of like sound designed type of. There's a, totally an audience for that, but they are a different audience than yeah. the people that want to hear like um, you know an influencer with a microphone just like holding the microphone. Fucking like in a room with, and you know their microphones all yeah, the way over here. They have no attention. They like take it out. <laughs> like, I, I I cringe when I see people like doing like I was gonna take this out of the, the it's stand. Okay, but you it doesn't, can move on. <laughs> yeah, just like take it out, and they're just like they're just like sitting there like oh I cringe. <laughs> people do that and all the time. There's here. nothing. There's nothing wrong with it, like in theory. But it's like like that's something that you like like I, to to hear this. Yeah, it's so distracting. But it really like. It kind of doesn't average mean listener, anything. They don't even yeah. notice, and that's the thing. It's like you're you're taking an audience that that doesn't. They're they're not necessarily sophisticated. They just you know, like you were saying before, in a lot of cases, they like the person they're listening to. Yeah. When it's kind of like an uh, like a personality driven show. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I even think back to like when I used to listen to the radio, like in my car. I had the shows that I really liked in the morning on my commute that I'd listen to, and then. Yeah. When they got to something I didn't feel like listening to, I'd change it it to the next one. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like podcasting. You want to feel like you're with your friends. Oh, exactly. And I think that that's like the the biggest uh, key to all of this stuff. But I think part of it is also like, like you said, it's just, you can't, it's very hard to go on to a microphone and just be interesting. Yeah. Not everybody's like, everybody's going to have a podcast and not everybody's interesting. So some, some people have to be better at it than others. Yeah. And honestly, it's just like, you know, again, going back to the old stupid radio thinking, like, you know, you, you'd put in the time essentially, and then you'd like build up to becoming sort of a broadcaster. And that was a path. 
that path doesn't exist anymore. Now it's just, you just, you know, I've worked with people as a producer who, you know, I've had this road of kind of like doing things from a professional point of view, like going the like quote unquote right route or yeah. whatever. And then you just work with like somebody who just like their agent is just like, they kind of <laughs> want to do a podcast. Like, what do you think? And they th- like, they've never done one before, but you, you're a producer, you got it. And you're just kind of like, uh, yeah, like when I, I truthfully, when I was working uh, at Betches, it was yeah. it was like that. It was like, we've never done this before, but like, you're a producer, you got this. But and they how long did you stunk. work on their projects? Because they have a lot of, they actually have a lot of audio projects. Like they have like audio I books. Built and ch- you did? I built that whole thing. Not the audio books. Uh, that's a whole different thing. I want like, you I to know. I listened and it didn't, to the, to it wasn't Betches lost stuff? on me. Well, all the stuff, I think it was like right after college. You know, that's a demo. Yeah, for sure. I listened to all their audio books or like all, like I not their, they their podcast. Pod- I don't know if they have, I didn't. I don't think I listened to their podcast, but I okay. knew it was a thing. Yeah, but it must have been in the time that you were working with them. Um, 20, I, 2018, uh, 2019, 2020. Maybe it was like right before I. Uh, yeah, I got let go from that place uh, in like the heat of the pandemic. Wow, twenty twenty one. Yeah, a very heartless, heartless people. <sighs> they, but they. I built up their podcast network. They Damn. had. They had like. The, so Jared and Jordana, Jared Freed and uh, Jordana, they were doing You Up, which was ha- did have an audience when I got there. That mm-hmm. was like their biggest show, and it was doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they didn't know how to monetize any of it mm-hmm. at that time. They were like, we, you know, they would book like one off campaigns. They just had no idea. Everyone's so confused about. That. Well, yeah, it's just yeah. like like they because like Jared was blowing up and they had their audience and like that that was like their one show that was like really mm-hmm. doing great. And then the other they had a, bu- a couple other shows that were like starting. Yeah. And they were like they were just trying to figure out how to build a network sure. and stuff. So I became the person that like kind of put all that That's s- huge, shit together. Dude. But they would do that to me all the time where it was just like, wow, they booked a live show uh, for for one of their shows that wasn't. You Up always worked as a live show because Jared's really funny and Jordana was kind of like, he would kind of elevate her to, so she would kind of step up to the plate and they mm-hmm. would, it was produced pretty well and and it was just very easy to, to trust them to, Jared is like a, you know, yeah. he's a comedian. He, he, he can work a room for sure. an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that always worked as like a live show and stuff like that. That didn't really give me a whole lot of... Um, uh, stress when mm-hmm. we were doing it because I was like, if everything breaks, Jared can yeah. do stand up yeah. and I'll be, we'll be fine. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> then they booked a show for, for like another, for this diet show that they were doing. It was like a, like a diet body starts tomorrow. That show. Yeah. Yeah. That I've show. Heard of it. Yep. Yeah. So they, they, uh, the show was doing pretty well, you know, um, and, they they uh there's one summer day in like 2019 where they pulled out uh, a bucket and a bottle of prosecco and they like opened the prosecco and they're like they're like hey you know we're we're toasting because we just booked our first live show for DST and it's going to be at the Gramercy Theater and I'm looking at the other podcast producer and I'm like what wait a minute what <laughs> We, this you this is the first time we're hearing about it. There was <laughs> oh no like meeting. God. There was nothing. They were just like, we booked a live show. All right. 
And uh, we, we just like looked at each other and we were just like terrified because we knew, of course, that that was going to come down to us producing this fucking thing for these two people that don't perform. It was the it was two of the other uh, uh, founders of that company that it's like bananas, dude. are not comedians. They're not at, like they're not actresses. They don't they're not used to being in front of people. And they just booked a theater to do a show. It just and- comes <laughs> down to like people don't have good communication skills because no, if it, they it had has told nothing. You that, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. You it would was, have been like, what the fuck? No, they they were going to do it regardless. <laughs> really? Like, yes. They, they, there was no getting around it. They were just like, Damn. we want to we were we want to do this. Yeah. And basically, like, sure enough, we have like me and the other producer have this meeting like like uh, just with me and him. Yeah. And we were just like, all right. We know this is going to fall on us. What are we going to do? Yeah. And then sure enough, Monday comes around and and they're like, all right, so ideas for a DST Live. We're like, what? You booked the venue. Do you have ideas? What do you mean? Ideas from us. We don't know what to do. And it, we event, like we had to put together. We produced it like a TV show. We yeah. had to like like build out these segments and book guests because we knew it wasn't going to be it was going to be a disaster if we didn't like yeah. put our asses on the line and like really put the work into it but i mean you're running a podcast network and then you have to do this live broadway show you know what i mean i mean what an accomplishment because you did it right yeah we pulled it off but it was just like you know it i i just hate that was maybe the worst situation not just that show but them like working with them Mm. was just such a bad situation because like they didn't have sort of the the talent to to carry a lot of these shows. Yeah. But they would expect the producers involved to like compensate. Well, they just would like DST was the perfect example where it was just like nobody prepped anything except for us and it was just like they didn't look at anything before they go into the booth. They have a guest coming in. They like we prepped the show and they didn't even look at it and then it's like they're looking at these notes five minutes before, and then yeah, they're like, they're the like, way. well, this isn't enough for us. It's like, hey, man, you, like any other host doesn't Would, look at a producer and yeah. is just like, what, like, do you, where are all these questions for this? Like, right. I've worked with enough people where it's like, we, some, you can help, you can give thought starters. Or whatever. But when I worked with Curtis and Kubi, it was like, this person's coming on. Do you need anything? Right. No, I read this thing and I read this and I have a bunch of questions. Yeah, and that was that. Like, like you're not. When you're producing from a um, uh, a radio podcast point of view, like it's not on you to shape the whole show. Right. You might have in- input and influence, and you might be able to just say like help it along and shape it a little bit. But like it is on the host to know. I don't do Absolutely. a thing. Absolutely. Corinne and Christina, like they, I thank you for segueing. <laughs> well, <laughs> they do. But I don't help them. Yeah, they, they like 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 I, I help them if they need a guest booked that like like. But honestly, they do most of the guest booking. And you can tell though, like with their show. I mean, Guys We Fucked was actually the first podcast I ever listened to. It's, ever, I think a lot of women. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I I hadn't li- I was at the time podcasts were new. I wasn't down to listen to podcasts. Everyone was like true crime, and I just didn't give a fuck yeah. about that. And then one of my friends sent me one of the very first episodes. Yeah. And they were like, this is us. And I'm like, okay, let me take a listen. And yeah. I just always listened to it from then on. And so to then 
work with you guys like yeah. on their special on your studio now that you have yeah, yeah. was such a full circle moment um i forget why i started talking about that oh yeah but they're so but i admire them and you so much in the way that they like work on any of their projects not yeah. just their podcast but like when they put something out they they know what's going out they're like totally a hundred percent behind it and like that's what it is and they put out a lot of content anyway. So really to keep the quality control and like, no, this is who I am is so important as a person, mm -hmm. but also as an artist and an artist who's influencing, whether you like it or not, so many people. Um, and then like for anybody to start a podcast or do a podcast like that, where you're like, this is a horrible experience. They're never prepared. It's just like, why even waste my time when I could be working with people who are prepared and are passionate right. about what they're doing? Well, yeah. And that's you the know? thing with, with Kern and Christina specifically. It's like, it's like the finding that is so they, they're, rare. they're very easy to work with. They are. It's, it's just not like, uh, and, and they have been like, they're so easy to work with that I've been working with them, I think, since 2017. Mm -hmm. when I, That's when, when I started listening. Yeah, I think right <laughs> around then. And it, you're talking almost five, like about five years, roughly. Yep. And like, it doesn't feel like it at all. Like, it, it feels like there's yeah. times where I'm like, I just started working with them. I'm like, no, I didn't. Wait a minute. It's and you been, guys have done so much in that time. Yeah. And the show, the thing that's also great about um, them specifically is that they have changed. Mm -hmm. And I think the show has changed totally. a lot. And they are just always authentically themselves. Even if it's even if there's a fire, like if something's ba something bad is happening, it's like like they are themselves. Christina will be herself mm -hmm. and and like tell you that something wild is happening in her life. Corinne will be herself and like they don't divulge everything, but you know the show has kind of evolved from what it was in its 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 early stages. Yeah, and it's become yeah. something very different because they have grown and that that's always they're they're ne they never and this was another thing but difference between them and betches uh and i keep i hate to keep bringing up betches specifically good. but like it was such a bad experience <laughs> it's fine. um so the difference was that like when i was working at betches and this is why i had such a problem with with the way they did a lot of their content they viewed their content as a business business first and art second or art not at all really it's such a difference yeah in so attitude it would just basically be like we'd have meetings we'd be like all right what how do we just get more people like paying attention to what we're doing mm -hmm. like they would cater the whole show based on what the fans were saying the people that followed the accounts what they were so any little comment like two two people would comment i don't like this and all of a sudden we have to throw the whole fucking thing out and change this around so we can try to accommodate every single person that listens It'll to the show. It'll never happen. Right. And then working with Corinne and Christina, they do the opposite. They're Beautiful. like, this is oh, what we're doing. Makes my heart happy. <laughs> and if we lose some people, then we're going to lose em. some people. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. And like, we're just going to do this. And this is like what we want to do. Yeah. And I've always respected that attitude. So much. Way more than the corporatization of, of podcast content and, and yeah. like media content where it's just like, like, what can we do to please every single, every customer? Like they don't, Corinne and Christina don't view yeah. the, 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 I don't want to speak like too much for them, sure. but like in my experience working with them, they don't view the listeners as customers. They yeah. view the listeners as like, like you're here for us. So go with us. I've on this never journey. felt like that. Not only just listening to them, like not yeah. even knowing them, but even after, no, that's, it's been proven even more that they're, that's the way that they are. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. That it's really amazing. refreshing to work with because you just like, you, you never have to worry about them 
like as a, as somebody that has to edit the show, I never have to worry about editing something out unless they really feel like they yeah. fucked up. Yeah. And it's v- rare. 1% of the time, if that, yeah. where one of them is just like, I might have gone a little too far there. Like they say what they say, they mean it. And I think Corinne said it on one of the intros to the show that we we just did that she's just like anytime she feels like that she goes and listens and and listens back to what she said mm-hmm. and like almost every single time she's just like I meant everything I said and yeah. I stand by it and like that's that's what it is fuck yeah it's great hell yeah um two really I know we have to wrap um so just two really quick yeah. things and then I'll let you go yeah um <laughs> so uh, we'll do accountability first so I have one segment on okay. this show it's our accountability segment. It's where we report, uh, like where I report what I did with my art for the week to the listeners, mm. our fam- family and friends, fellow hoes. Yeah. Um, but also, it get, I want to give you, the guests, an opportunity to let you were talking a little bit earlier. You're trying to find maybe something like, because you know sonically how you want things to sound mm-hmm. and you're working on your own projects. So if there's something like that that you want to throw out there, I'm gonna, I'll throw it to you then. I'm um, so a minute to think about it. But for my report this week, um uh let's see my candle of the month is out so yay i actually did it on time this month so that's pretty cool um the postcards from my trip continues i know every week i say it's done but like you know i always I keep adding stuff but i uh, made a promise to myself that by june 30th it would be out for people to look at or at least pre-order so i, I created a, a adult coloring book Oh, it's great. Thank you. I'll, I can show you really quickly yeah. before you leave. Um, but it's 12 pages, and it kind of takes you on like a year's journey. Okay. And the, like a calendar. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Um, but the intention of it is like the, the thing that you're coloring is sort of like to think about like the words in that uh, oh, that's postcard. Cool. Uh, thank you. Um, it, it's my version of a 12-step program okay. for myself. Okay. <laughs> if anybody else thinks of it, that's on you. Um, but... Uh, I'm really proud of it, and I think that in the last month, um, I've been getting really personal with it in like the writing portion of it, and that's what honestly what's been taking me the longest. But every time I sit down to actually like write and do something about it, I don't have writer's block anymore. Thank you, Leo. Um, so I'm really happy with that progress, and that's my report. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Thank you. I'll turn over to you. Is there anything you want to like put out there in the universe you want to keep accountable for? Um, yeah. Well, I, I gotta. I I have to finish. The production that I'm behind on for the MySpace show. <laughs> <laughs> the, Look out for that. <laughs> the unannounced MySpace show. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I have two podcasts that I'm working on for myself. That um, one is is something that I, I worked on a couple of episodes for. They're actually out. It's called Mike Coscarelli Rules. I'm taking my camera. Yeah. Right it's called Mike Coscarelli Rules. You can check out some of the. There's probably like six or seven episodes back catalog, and it's the it's kind of like the early onset of this fusion of the scripted non-scripted like scripted has some interviews has some some segments and bits so if you want to check that out um that you can do there's like six or seven episodes now and i'm hoping to announce that i have more episodes coming and hopefully let's see by the end of the summer maybe so there's that um uh and i'm working i'm writing i'm trying to write a script of something that i can shoot myself awesome uh and i'm gonna try to shoot it on film awesome yeah oh my god <laughs> I have to buy a film camera to to figure this out but um, i know a guy 
uh, like I film? Can, I yeah, I can. We'll talk after this. Okay. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those are the two things that I, the main two things that I, I would like to put out there that I'm trying to work on. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, the second thing I was going to talk about was the the comedy special that we worked on. But you yeah. know what? I would love to have you back and we can talk yeah. about that. And I'm gonna I babbled a lot. I'm no, sorry. no. This is a podcast. <laughs> this is what this is for. <laughs> I always leave them wanting more, right? Yeah. Um, but I will 100% put the link to our special day comedy yeah. special in the description of this podcast. Um, definitely check that out. We both worked very hard. Yeah. You, you, beautiful set design, thank by the you. way. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud. Um, proud of you, too. Oh, I did was sell merch and flip <laughs> <laughs> Important part of the whole experience. Um, the but concierge of the special. <laughs> For real. Is there anything else you would like to plug? And then we will wrap this baby up. I would say just keep a keep an eye out for Mike Coscarelli rules returning. Cool. And then I have something cooking with my friend Leo Wolf, who's a comedian in New York. Um, I, we don't know when it's going to come out yet, but uh, we're planning on a, a show. I don't want to say too much because it's it's we're behind on it, but. Um, artists and just follow me yeah. in instagram mostly instagram you can follow me on twitter it's at mike coscarelli but i'll be putting out stuff as i work on it so Fantastic. find me there hell yeah dude um you guys as always can find me at ani underscore moosh on instagram and twitter um check out animooshmedia.com for my art i'm adding my portfolio um that's something that i'm working on that you guys don't know about i'm adding my portfolio to my website but you can find my candles, find my art all on there as well. And check out too much content.live. Subscribe to this channel. I love you guys. Peace.